0: Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is Monday morning, Andy, uh, the 16th? How are we doing? Do we uh, it's the there? 16th of October. 16th of October, a mere three or four days, depending on... <laughs> How good you are at counting before the Lakers begin their season is is it is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So four full days, three and a half, depending on when you're listening. Uh, Lakers open up against all these people
1: listening, Brian, have calendars.
0: They do, but they might not have them in front of them right now. Well, it's It's like when people tweet us like, hey, how many free throws has uh, has Ingram shot tonight? Dude, you are on the Internet right now. To ask me that question. My, and I am not going to answer that for you. My favorite no. response
1: to that is always uh, Bamani Jones will just retweet back the link to Google. Right. Every single time. I just, uh, no. It's a, I mean, there are certain things where I'm happy to,
0: to, to give you the fish. Right. Sometimes you're going to have to teach a man to fish. Exactly. Um, all right. So the, the Lakers open Thursday night, play Thursday and Friday um, against then Friday against the, the Suns. So we're at the parts where the games count, Andy. And so we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about the, uh, the the starting lineup. The Lakers still haven't quite solidified, at least publicly, who's going to start at the four, which is the big issue, and uh, some injury complications potentially uh, getting in the way of that. We'll talk. We'll give our, our season preview for how many games we think these Lakers are going to win, take you around the Western Conference, and talk about the only team in the Eastern Conference that's even kind of mildly interesting because the rest of it is a foregone conclusion. Um, so uh, let's start with let's start with Ingram. Uh, Brandon Ingram has had a mixed uh, mixed preseason.
1: I'd say somewhere between mixed to and, underwhelming. And
0: underwhelming. Um, the last couple games have been a little better, uh, but still nothing. I mean, that-
1: I would like to think the last game would have been better because he was playing against the Clippers summer league team. <laughs>
0: Basically, yeah, he does very well in Summer League. Yes, he That's does.
1: Yeah, it's similar to the way Lonzo is apparently the greatest scrimmage player in NBA history. <laughs> Brandon Ingram destroys Summer League players. So we have this this setup where Ingram hasn't been great.
0: And part of the reason that we're so hyper-focused on him, A, Lonzo hasn't been on the floor, which we'll talk about. But um, also, too, Ingram had that nice end to last season. And most importantly, I think, uh, at least for the purposes of this, they spent the summer elevating Ingram. By they, I mean Rob Palenka to some degree, and certainly Magic Johnson, who uh, announced that Brandon Ingram was untouchable. That he said he was, you know, he's a guy they think he expects him to come out and score twenty points a night, and all this. He's going to be
1: disappointed if Ingram doesn't uh, lead the team in scoring, in part because Ingram's put in so much work, but right. also to And this, I
0: believe he, that those comments, I believe, were before they got Lopez. Um, I think I don't remember, but. I think for these purposes, I don't even know if it matters. It doesn't matter, but you know, but it does change the context slightly because once you get Lopez, you do kind of expect him to lead the team. But either way, it is like you say, the the, the potential he's putting in the work and all that other stuff.
1: So, and also, would it, it would appear that Magic would really like to see Brandon Ingram lead the team in scoring? Yes,
0: it does. <laughs> so we put this to to Luke before uh, the the game against the Sword of Clippers and. I thought his response to this question about magic and the expectations and particularly about scoring was really instructive about how he thinks of Ingram and how the rest of us probably should well I I mean that's you know that's those aren't my expectations I mean I I, I just want Brandon I think. I think Brandon is so valuable because of the way he can play his all around game. He can pass, he can guard multiple positions, he can, you know, he can score for us. So I think he's most dangerous when he's just out there playing basketball. Um, so if he scores 20 a night, I'm, I love it. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't think uh, he should be focused going into the game on trying to score twenty. Just, just doing your job. And because uh, he's talented enough, if he's focused on doing his job,
1: he'll have good nights most nights. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.
0: So, don't, he's not—he's not a scorer. Don't look at him as a guy who's going to come in and drop twenty for you at night. Because that's really not a—not who he is. And B, that's not really—you're not getting your maximum value out of Ingram if all you're focused on
1: is scoring. Yeah, you know, people, ever since uh, Ingram came into the league, the, the comp that people have been throwing out with him is Kevin Durant. And because we often do these comps based on what's, you know, what's physically obvious. Often? Yeah, often, and by often I mean <laughs> All always, the time. You know, physically obvious, whether you're talking about, in the case of, uh, you know, Dirk Nowitzki and Pick a Shooter, they're both white. Right. You they will-
0: literally cannot compare a European player to anybody who isn't another european right you know genetically we can't do it if it's
1: a white player you know it's going to be compared you know the guy's going to be compared to another white player and in the case of ingram and durant a lot of this has to do with the fact that they are both tall long and skinny which again throws out the obvious comp and something i've thrown around a lot myself since uh ingram's rookie year i think if you look at the actual skill set He's always reminded me, at least potentially, of a rich man's Andre Iguodala. Yes, and yeah, you know, it's a, a guy, good comp. A guy that can fill up a stat line. I think the defensive, I think the defensive uh, effectiveness is going to come because I think Ingram's a hard worker and he's smart and his body's going to start filling out, and that length can be so disruptive. But I even started looking at some of Iguodala's rookie stats, and they're actually pretty similar. You know what uh, what Iguodala did as a rookie versus what Ingram did. And you look at the, uh, some of the per 36s, they're pretty similar. A few of Ingrams are actually better. You know, I- Igadala was a better player as a rookie, but he also arrived more developed physically right, and older. as a player. He was, he was 21 as a rookie. You know, and he also played on a better team. You know, he played with Allen Iverson and Chris Webber on a team that was good enough to go to the playoffs. So, I mean, and that stuff matters when you're talking about development. Sure.
0: I, and, but you can't compare Iggy and um, Ingram, though, because Iggy's like, like... Muscular, right, and stout, and, and, and like, but, I mean, but three it's not, inches it's not a bad comparison because you know, I'm looking at some of Iggy's best seasons. You know, 2007, 2008, he averaged twenty, 19.9, I'll give him the 20, 20 points a game, five, five five and a half rebounds, five assists, over two steals a game, um, and a half a block. And so, you're, yeah, and it's like he, what what Walton is getting at is he's a guy who fills a stat sheet, he can give you 20. He might on some nights give you 25, but that's not – if you if you try to turn him into a scorer and make scoring the thing that, that defines whether or not he's being successful, then you're limiting all the other stuff, and you're not going to see everything else that he's doing. He's, his last two games have been you – know, he didn't shoot the ball well in the second-to-last preseason game, but he uh, It was, it was he finished with like 12-5 and 6 or something, whatever it was. Like that is a good Brandon Ingram uh, stat line the the line he had against the clippers was a solid brandon ingram stat line where you see some of everything you hope over the course of his career that those numbers go up a little bit and so you end up with something like 18 a game with seven or eight rebounds and five assists and a steal but whether you want to go rich man's iggy or you know super poor man's lebron or you know, any of those guys that are... are more, no, more assertive Lamar Odom. More, Lamar Odom, you know, Paul Millsap fills up a stat line like that. Al Horford fills up a stat line like that. It's it, That's the those kind of thing. Those, those are good players. Those are no, they're all not, star-
1: They're not good players. They're great players. <laughs> right. Those they're are excellent Those players. are all-star or all-star caliber players. Right.
0: They're really, really good players. Draymond, Draymond without the defensive... I, I mean, because I, I agree with you. Brian, Ingram can get better. He... Draymond is next level and and showed up that way. Um, But you can't. The the Durant comparison is so bad because it's just so obviously, when you watch how they play and how they arrived in the league, so obviously bad. Because Durant, while inefficient as a rookie, came in and was a scorer.
1: And he also, too, he would see it. But he also, too, and, and this is where I think the comparison to Durant really hurts Ingram. He was a shooter, from the moment he arrived in the league. Kevin Durant was a shooter in the way that you know Brandon Ingram needs to be a better shooter, but I don't know if he's ever going to be the shooter that Durant is. I mean, you know, forget that Durant. Durant's going to be end up one of the best. Right. Shooters his second. I mean, his first season he was under thirty. But Durant's second season in the league, he was over 40% forty percent from right. I mean, Dur- and, and you could see it with Durant. Like Durant's stroke looked pretty. Like I, you could see that he was going to be a great shooter, and. With Ingram, maybe it will come around, but I but I think when you start specifically comparing him to Durant that way, you're doing Ingram a disservice, and you're doing your own expectations yeah, of him I, a disservice. I just, I just think Durant is a is a
0: has been arrived as and will always be a better pure scorer than
1: well, he's, like, he's, he's a better he's, player i well, mean he's he's better, kevin, du- right, kevin sure. durant's gonna be a first but they are a lot of, Hall of
0: famer right there are a lot of guys who show up in the league and like they're scores dennis smith is a scorer like yes. you can just watch him play in the preseason okay well what's that guy's main function he passes nicely he's a good player but like whoa that guy can that guy can put it in the bucket um you know jordan clarkson God bless him. I mean, that's all he can do. Yeah. Like that's it. Like that's his get yeah, but he's pretty good at it, but that's what he does. You know, they thought he they thought Ingram would be a shooter when he got in the league. It's part of the reason they liked him. But he's just there's certain guys you look at it and that that whole thing comes you know, they walk into the league and you can see that's what they do. Um and I I just, you know, to his credit. Ingram has internalized all of this stuff, and it's, I think, part of the reason he hasn't played well. You hear a guy at, at 20 years old saying you know, that he needs to remember to have fun and that the coaching staff and the management is needing to remind him to have fun. It's sad, and it kind of makes you a little depressed, but it does show you how much he cares and how hard he's working. No, he's a real- I'd rather have that
1: than the alternative. Well, I mean, it's also, too, like the way Ingram has been talked about has changed a lot. You know, his first year, they they said, we we know he's got a bright future. We believe a lot in his potential. But we're going to be taking this slowly. We know that this is a development process. You know, less than a year after that, he's being talked about as a franchise cornerstone. cornerstone untouchable. Who, untouchable. In a summer where, look, and I and I, I was talking to Trudell about this
0: before the game uh, the other night. And he was thinking about, like, you know, which... What team has ever traded a number two pick that showed the kind of potential that he did down the stretch? And it goes through a whole – I was like,
1: well. <laughs> I was going to say the Lakers. The Lakers, but, but they, the Lakers two months D'Angelo ago D'Angelo did, D'Angelo did get Russell? two seasons. And but still, I'm just saying. Extra, but
0: setting that aside for just a moment. <laughs> Setting that aside, the for team just a that moment. pays right. you, Trudell? Right. Well, <laughs> setting this is just—we're just chatting. I know, but I'm just
1: saying. You other, walk other into aside, that.
0: aside from the aqueducts, what have what the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> uh, but you know, so I—I you know, was like, okay, fine. I get that teams don't typically trade a kid like Ingram, you know, right off the bat. For you know, unless something amazing is coming back, because you know, if they're looking, whatever. But in a summer where. You know, D'Angelo was shipped out and everyone, theoretically, once they got that number two pick was on the block. And, you know, are they going to trade the pick? Are they going to keep the pick? And all of a sudden, even if internally you think, man, somebody would have to offer us like Westbrook to to make that move or Paul George or whatever it might be, just, like, you know, and even if, that, if that's what you're thinking, you don't. Say it, by saying it out loud, you change the conversation the context around your player completely. And that's what they did to Ingram. And the downside, and we've talked about it, we talked about it on air, we talked about it here, the downside to all the the, the narrative building that they're doing and changing the, the perception of league and all that is they have put an enormous amount onto Lonzo and to Ingram. I don't think Lonzo cares about any of this. I think he will you know, skate and just sort of move through all of the noise. But some I players agree. hear it differently. And I think Ingram has internalized that a little bit more. And they got, they got to figure out a way to get him through it. And I think once they do, he'll he'll be fine. But it's not going to come. He's not going to be an all-star this year. He's not going to be an all-star next year, probably. I'd be surprised. I mean, I said, last thing on this, I said I did a, a bet with one of the producers at a Spectrum on Ingram's scoring average this year, over, under 13 and a half. I took the under which which side of that would you've taken I think I'd take the over but just barely I I think are looking at about 14 because and the reason I took the under is because I think he's going to have more of those nights where he goes for 17 18 19 but every time he's also going to have three or four Sevens mixed sure. in there. And oh, every, absolutely! It just drags down. Like I Man. said, I take the over, but I take right. barely. The consistency it requires at the NBA, to average twenty points a game, nineteen, eighteen points a game in the NBA is remarkable, and people don't stop to think about that. I so agree. I, I took the under on that, and I think it'll be close, but I, I think that's where we'll be. Uh, the Lakers still have to finish their starting lineup. They haven't figured out who that's going to be. Um, at the four, really, is the last of the positions. Larry Nance, Kyle Kuzma, is is in there. And then, obviously, Julius Randle. I said at the beginning of the preseason when they started Nance that I thought that would be a temporary thing, and once Lopez got back, they'd switch that. They haven't done it yet. No, they have not. I'm of the mind at this point that the starting lineup that we saw against the Clippers the other night is going to be the starting lineup on Thursday, even if Randle is healthy. Let's assume that he is. He's got the back rib muscle thing. Doesn't seem to be anything serious. Right. I hope not. He's on my fantasy team. Um (laughs)
1: Plus, have, you know, best wishes. Best music, accord, But also, is. I have
0: Jordan Clarkson on my fantasy team. I'm, I don't feel good about that either. Um, I, do you think I'm wrong? I, I think I think we would have seen it if they wanted to try it the other way.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, unless they're going to really, really scrimmage hard in practice and take a look at it. And, and i got to be honest, I'm disappointed that they haven't really taken a look at it during a game with Randall alongside Brooke Lopez. Because I, I want to see what that looks like mm-hmm. in an actual game. You know, I mean, the, the two of them didn't really play together much during the preseason. I no. mean, they, they didn't get much. I and mean, they can still play together. They, they, you know, but I, I understand they but still the min, it won't be as many minutes. Right. It's, it's harder to make that happen. You know, it's, it's more difficult to make that happen when you, when you don't take the floor together, you know, to begin with. And I think Lopez's presence can do a lot to open up Julius Randle's game. I mean, he's the type of... He's the type of big that really Randall's never played with before and I think would be well suited, you know, can space the floor. So I'm I'm disappointed that Walton hasn't done that during an actual game. You know, and I, and I can see some merits to playing Randall off the bench, you know, they could use another ball mover. You know he's he's gonna have get off op- the floor he, he when pushes, Lonzo's not in, and when they play when he plays with Lonzo will be great finishing at, out on the break absolutely i mean i I can see some merits and i I talked a little bit with Julius about it, and you know while of course he wants to start because everybody other than Robert Ory wants to start also in a contract year. <laughs> um yeah. No, no I'm not, I don't. Or Randall. Randall.
0: Well, both. I mean, I don't know how, how they do it over there <laughs> spectrum, the <but, laughs> spectrum,
1: um, but I mean, I, I don't mean that as a criticism. Sure.
0: I mean, Randall wants to get paid. No, I, look, I would, I mean, would want to
1: get paid, too. Well, we talked about this before. I think one of the reasons Jordan Clarkson was so willing to play that bench role last year was he got paid. Mm-hmm. He got paid before he was told you're going to be a six man. And that makes a difference. Talking with Randall about it, though, it's more important to him that he he says, and I and I actually believe him that he finishes games than starts, because th- all these guys really. I think care that's about become that. isn't that
0: becoming kind of the thing that yes. the players are sort of understanding yeah. But the but the thing about it is, I'm not sure he's going to do that either. I know. Um, and and I I will say I I am like you. I wish I could have seen it together, and what it looks like. But that said, Randall had a pretty good preseason. Yes, in terms, he did. At least just in terms of the numbers he put up. Um, you know, the other night before he left, before he left with the uh, the injury, I think it's something like 15 points and eight rebounds in 12 minutes. Um, so he's he's been active, and I think he's there. He's doing what they want him to do. And so if he gets 28, 29, 30 minutes, and I don't think anybody on this team is going to play more than
1: 33 or 34 a night. Well, um, I, I I think he'll be okay. You and I have always said that the whole question of starting, you know, it's. It's more of a media talking point. You know, it creates hot talk and, and it's, all, it's, it's a player ego thing. It's a player ego thing. But, I mean, floor combinations and who finishes games ultimately matter more. Yeah, it's agree. just the floor combination part of it to me matters because, again, I think Lopez could help Randall. I think they could be effective together. Um, I th- We'll see how it
0: goes. But I'd be, I would at this point be surprised. Injury, injury notwithstanding, again, assuming health of that, if they don't leave Larry in the, in the starting lineup. And uh, Kuzma... I I wouldn't stick him in there yet. I wouldn't either. I you you got it. I mean, I and I'm I'm excited that the Lakers seem to have found a guy who is going to be a productive NBA player at the 27th pick. That's hard to do and they did it and that's good. Kuzmania, it's better to let let it build in, you know, 10 15 games in the season. If he's just demanding 30 minutes a night, all the better. I don't think we're quite there yet. Um but that's that's kind of it. You know, the Lakers, are, it's going to be a little raggedy at the beginning. KCP won't be in the starting lineup for two games. He's got that suspension, which I think everybody has completely forgotten about. Um, Randall hopefully will be available on Thursday. Lonzo, uh, they expect to be able to practice this week, which is going to make a massive difference. At least they can practice the way they want to play uh, before getting out on the floor because they haven't been able to do much of anything. And this kind of gets into to our, our season predictions for the Lakers, how many games we think they're going to win. I think Lonzo not being able to participate in the preseason costs them two or three wins during the season. Could. Um, just because everything is centered around him. Everything's new. Do, everything's you know, new. There's not
1: much continuity from last year's you, roster.
0: Uh, if you believe everyone, you can't simulate practicing with Lonzo when Lonzo's not there because it's that different. And I don't think the, I don't think ev- players, coaches, everyone is lying. No. Um, and so if he's not yeah, there, I, I think
1: Caruso probably does a you know a decent job as a watered down. Scout, version he's of Lons- a scout team Lonzo. Right, but it's not the same. It's thing. not the same thing. And so I, I think
0: this this costs them a couple games. Um, so that's you know if, if the if the Vegas over under is thirty four and a half, and I was already at the under, um, I think it's still there. I'm, I'm, I'm probably inching a little closer to 30 now than I was
1: right up at that number. Well, the other thing that's going to cost them some games, quite frankly, is this team still can't shoot. No. I mean, you know, Kuzma, you know, all of Kuzma mania that that's hit Laker, you know, Laker fans and, and media, and he's really been good, it's overshadowed the fact that he has not shot well at all. 24% from three. Right. And, you know, overall, t- he's over 50% from the floor. Right. But, no, but I'm talking from distance from three. because right. you know he shot the lights out in summer league, and my reaction and early was, in the preseason right, was hitting him again. Early, and you know my reaction was that's awesome. I want to see him do this against actual NBA defenders. And you know I I don't I don't know if either sample size necessarily you know what either one means, but right now he's not shooting well. And other than you know Lopez and I guess if he's a part of the team, Caruso. <laughs> like nobody's really shooting well from three at all. Well, dang, fifty percent. Lou <laughs> talk, talk about your small denk. sample size theater but but, th- but yeah. it's going uh-huh. to be problematic for what they want to do I think it was
0: Memphis in the last few seasons has been really well known for not making a lot of threes but they also were also well known for not taking a lot oh, of threes. And they're, and
1: they're also they're centered around playing a game where the goal is to put up 80 points a night right and so <laughs> whoa, whoa 90
0: <laughs> slow down although that's gonna be a little different this year for them um the Lakers are going to take a lot of threes. Yes, like a lot. They're going yeah. to be bombing from there a lot, and I don't mind it. But we should all understand that they're not going to be good at it. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they I, shot horribly. I'll, I'll go in through the, the percentages. Lopez hit forty percent of his threes, almost forty-two percent. Yeah, which a few and night. And to few and night, and I think he'll be somewhere between thirty-five and forty. He was at thirty-five last year. And okay, good. KCP twenty-five percent. Brian, I I skipped Brewers, 33, because he's not going to play enough. Ingram, 25%. Lonzo in in two games, 25%. Kuzma, 24%. Clarkson, 23%. Hart, 22%. (laughs) Ennis, who was supposed to be good at it, 20%. And Randall, 20%. Not, that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that I, I is think terrible. It, I
1: think it will be better in the regular season, but not but good not, enough. It, better, not
0: good enough. They're going to have a bunch of guys who shoot between twenty-eight and thirty-two percent. Right. Which again, not, not good, good enough. But for the particularly for the amount that they're going to take, so uh, it it really does emphasize how important it is to get Lonzo on the floor. So a those threes are clean. They're in transition. They're uncontested and whatever, and that they get easy points that finish at the basket. Because they're not going to hit three, they're going to have a lot of nights where they go six of thirty-four from three-point land.
1: Um, with exactly that, six of thirty-four. With, with that in mind, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to take the under two. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call my shot at thirty-two wins. I'm gonna take thirty-two. What you got num- thirty-two what as number well. I,
0: I wrote that down on the paper yeah,
1: before you, you spoke it. No wonder we share a Twitter account.
0: Yeah. And for all of you people out there who say that we should get our own, I think all of you should find a friend to share your Twitter right. account
1: with. What, what do you care? <laughs> like, what the hell do you care? Like, I mean, it's obvious. Look, it's obvious why we share a Twitter account. It's a branding thing because we've branded ourselves as a partnership, you effing morons. Like, do you And Andy would cry if I had more twitter followers that wouldn't happen but well we'll no. see it would not okay we're getting our own twitter. but i mean that's I know, why. Find, I know how to find bots and is, you don't is it really
0: that's probably true <laughs> is it really, i will absolutely 100 <laughs> fill my thing with right. followers Fake with bots <laughs> whatever if it means having more than you yeah, you, well, I would absolutely just. You and, will. and you wouldn't be able to figure
1: it out. No, so. no, I'm not above it. I just <laughs> right. can't do it.
0: Right. So <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Um. All right. So 32. I think. I think. And by the way, that can be a good 32. Yes. Um. I just. I were. My concern is that they're going to get off to a bad start, and that'll kind of suck some of the air out of the balloon. But if Lonzo comes back and plays well, and Ingram is having a good season, by the end of the year, hopefully, uh, they'll be in good shape going into the summertime. Uh, you want to look at the rest of the conference? Yeah. Okay. This is tricky. Like, trying to trying to pick eight teams is not so tricky, I think, because I think there are still eight teams that are probably the clear playoff teams in the West, at least to me. Putting them in order, though, is really hard. It is hard. Um, do you want to start at the bottom, or do you want to start at the top? Oh, doesn't matter. I right. mean, we know which... Let's, okay, we'll start at the, the bottom. is sort of more interesting, but the top is kind of intriguing, too, except for the one. Right. Golden State. Yes.
1: Okay, good. You want to do your eighth seed? Uh, my eighth seed, I've got the Clippers. So do I! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Mind meld! <laughs> I've got the Clippers. I agree. Uh, seven, I, I I think the Clippers... Yeah, it just it's hard to figure out what the Clippers are going to be. And it's if also, everybody
0: plays and they're healthy, they'll be. They got more depth. They've got too many right. good players to be terrible. I just
1: don't picture everyone staying on the
0: court. And they're still, and they're kind of already a little banged up, like Gallo right. punching people and. Blake is coming off injury, and Beverly's got a knee thing, and like just the I, the odds of this group playing seventy games together fully intact, right. Seems there's some people who think that really like, long that maybe. Milos literally is not conditioned well enough to play eighty-two games. Well, he's, he's like he arrived off the the plane like smoking. And all this <laughs> yes. other stuff. Um, I but I think they could st- if everybody's healthy, they could win 47, 48 games. I, I just think they'll be closer to around forty-three or um, my seven. I got Portland. Stop! Whoa. Get out of my head, man! <laughs> I got
1: Portland Yeah, out. they
0: were an excellent team after the Nurkic trade yes. last year. And and they will get in
1: this year. Full season of Nurkic I think will make a big difference. Um, they're going to have to account uh, for uh, what's-his-name scoring. Uh, they, they moved him to the Nets. Um,
0: Alan Crabb? Yeah,
1: Crabb in the shooting. But that'll be good they
0: They've got a plenty of dudes there. Number six, the Timberwolves. Interesting. I got the Timberwolves at six. I have Denver. But I almost put. I was really close to putting the Denver, putting the Denver, at five. See, I got Denver's
1: nine. I got Denver missing. You have them out. Yeah, I'm. This is how much I'm calling my shot. We're gonna have a repeat of last year where Portland and Denver have the exact same record, but Portland has a better head to head. Now
0: I'm worried. I'm actually like literally forgetting a team. Um,
1: but yeah, I've got I've got Denver barely missing. See, I have Denver. I I was oh. Who'd you forget? (laughs) Houston, Utah. Oh yeah, Utah still a playoff team. Yes, hold on one moment. Okay, real quick, I'll vamp this.
0: Slide them right where I think they're gonna go. You know what though? All right, I uh, regret to inform the Clippers (laughs) no longer (laughs) making the playoffs. All right, Portland is now my eighth seed. Okay. Uh the Jazz of Utah who are much more nondescript without Gordon Hayward but are still a good team and And they're gonna be a mother score. I mean every night it's just gonna be like this sucks. I do not want to play this team, and that will get you forty-seven wins in yeah, the NBA. I've got them as
1: my. I've got them. As I now my, have
0: them as my sevens.
1: I've got them as my five. Okay. I actually think they're going to be that hard to score against, and I also think Rodney Hood is going to announce himself this year
0: with a Thor attack.
1: Rodney Hood can put it up. I think Minnesota is going to be good, but it's going to take a little while to figure it all out, and they they. They've got some spacing issues. I love.
0: I mean, the Nuggets are going to win a lot of games, one hundred and forty-seven to one hundred and forty-two. Which, mm-hmm. first of all, makes them amazing. Oh yeah, fun to watch um, that offense last year was the best in basketball. Once they made that in the second half of the season, once they made that move with Jokic, uh, uh, the, they they got rid of Jokic. Uh, Jokic they got rid of Nurkic. <laughs> <laughs> they tr- they stopped trying to play Nurkic and Jokic together. Who I called Nukic. Um and uh, Gary Harris got healthy yes. and came back, yes. and he's. Really good. Yeah. And so... And Millsap. Millsap and you add Millsap, you know, a, a perfect under-the-radar thing that's going to make uh, Jokic a better player. Jokic is already awesome, except he can't defend. Um, I Jamal Murray is great. It's going to take... They, they're not going to play defense, but if they are even average, if they can get themselves to average, and sometimes if you're really good offensively, the track meet thing just gets teams to, to take back shots in, and whatever. In, particularly in that building. Yeah, because you just feel like you have to... You have to keep up, and your shot selection goes down. So I have Denver uh, as a six-seed. Keeping in mind that my predictions are a little fuzzy now
1: because I forgot a team, <laughs> right? Uh, so my five was Utah. Your right. five is it was Minnesota. Uh, my I do f- think it's going to take
0: a little while. My four is right San
1: Antonio. I agree. Um, I you know Kawhi, Kawhi actually I think might win MVP this year. If
0: uh, this, but if when he gets on the floor, Wait, when he gets on the this floor, this is not
1: good. I know. Assuming assuming he can play, you know, seventy five games this year, I think he could end up winning MVP. He's good, he that good, and, and also LaMarcus is, seems. Uh, into the idea of being a spur again which mm-hmm. is which is helpful but i also think you know pop is not going to pace them i think to win as many games this year. know and, and depending on leonard's availability you may not have
0: and they so. are of the four teams that are clearly better than the other teams in the west mm-hmm. they're the best of the of the uh, the worst of that group i right. think pretty clearly uh my number
1: three is houston okay uh, Um i have okc yeah Um uh, Got my number two is OKC, and the reason
0: I have OKC at three and not two, and I think the difference between those two teams could be one win. Sure, um, is just because that, hey, new thing going on factor is bigger with Oklahoma City than it is with Houston, um, where I think Harden is just going to be that much better with CP taking some of the ball handling and, and and scoring pressure away from. I actually think that'll make Harden more efficient and more dominant than he was last year which is saying something um whereas the thunder what russ has got to pull back a little bit they've got to figure out how they're going to get mello in there they've got a couple other moving pieces from the you know from the off season before the mello trade i do think integrating george with westbrook wouldn't have been that hard but now you add the mello thing and it gets a little more complicated and i think they'll also pace russ a little more because they won't have to run him as hard as they did last year so i think they are
1: maybe a game or two worse than than houston but pretty tight yeah you know it's funny i mean everything you're saying makes sense i think though that they're going to offset some of the issues they're going to have with a with a thin bench beyond fat ray felton and patrick patterson and i guess jeremy grant at times by the ability to stagger russ stagger oh perch, yeah stagger mellow which also though i think is going to alleviate some of the chemistry issues because you're gonna you're gonna have opportunities to let all three guys run the action, you know, no, without the other two. And I think to some degree that's going to help some of them they're guys. really good. they I mean, it's a,
0: it's gonna be a really good thing. And
1: also too, the three of them I think are very motivated to make this work. And you know, look, we've seen before groups motivated to make it all work and it falls to bleep. You know, the sure. you know, two thousand thirteen Lakers. For example, you know, all those guys talked about how motivated they were to make it work and make sacrifices until they actually had to make it work and make sacrifices. But I have a feeling this is going to work. I really do. I, have a, I mean, Russ Russ has put all ambiguity to bed by He's signing an right, extension. I, I I
0: absolutely think it can work, and not only do I think it can work, I think they have a puncher's chance, as does Houston against Golden State. I mean, not much, well, no, but at least you know. Something one From, is there a puncher against a better puncher? Right, one weird injury or something. You know, Steph isn't healthy or KD's not healthy. Whatever no. it is, well, that's, that why that do them back. that's why you That's why you do this.
1: That's why you do the stockpiling. It's not because you think you can be better than Golden State at full strength. Nobody's better than them at full strength. But you put yourself in the opportunity to capitalize if something happens.
0: Right. And when you're as good as, as Houston and Oklahoma City and San Antonio and you can't go. You can't. You're too good right. to tear it backwards and, and kind of wait it out. You just you can't do it. Um, and so you have to just say, all right, well, this is the world we live in. Let's try to make it work. Um, the Warriors are scarily enough better than they were last year. Yeah. When you start adding a year of KD being completely comfortable in that, and they, you know, Steph and those guys all understanding how that works. And then guys like Caspi and Nick Young and whatever coming off the bench, they're they're deeper this year than they were last year. Plus you're reuniting Team Cinnamon with Which is, Nick Young and JaVale McGee. Team awesome. Cinnamon. Uh, team now, well, now that I have the Clippers out of the playoffs, <laughs> I think we, we know my answer to this. But the, a, a team, we'll say a, a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, one of the, the dregs down here between... New Orleans, Dallas, the Kings, uh, the Lakers, the Suns, Memphis, I guess, is in it. And of those teams, if you had to
1: pick one that might surprise. Well, the Pelicans are just going to be a surprise. Like, no matter what they end up doing, like, I have, They should be the answer to this
0: question, right? Look, they have two of the best front court players in the NBA and an excellent point guard. Hi, Mike Trudell.
1: How come I never get invited on this podcast?
0: Because you're on air when we started, you have a show. So you're like fair. doing your show. How you guys doing? Good. Good how, man, are how, how are
1: you? I just want to say hi. Okay. <laughs> thanks. Right. Thanks for coming. We're thanks. almost done with the. We're almost done with the basketball portion. Otherwise, we would uh, invite you to stay. invite you to stay. But we're almost done with the, the with the round ball. We'll have you on the next time. Will you come on the next time? Yeah. It's a formal invite. Have some free time. Okay. We cool.
0: may never record another one again, though. Just so you're aware. Um, that was Mike Trudeau. Like they should be the answer to this because Drew Holiday has made an All Star team. That, that's a big three. That's like legit.
1: When but I, when I say they are surprise the surprise team, I mean like literally. I have no idea what's going to happen. Like I don't know if this can work stylistically. I don't work if they know if they can stay healthy enough to that. Even if it works stylistically, it'll matter. I don't know if by the trade deadline, Boogie's going to get unloaded to a contender, and you're going to see like Boston move Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown right. for Anthony Davis. Like I. Anything could happen with this team. I could picture them being a five seed. Like anything, it's possible.
0: Well, I mean, like, just because you start with the basic starting point of they've got two of you know the ten best players in the NBA. Fifteen. Fifteen. I mean, AD is in the top ten. Yeah. And Boogie's no worse than 15. I mean, if 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 Boogie weren't crazy. And
1: he's also, he's in great shape right now. Yeah, Boogie's but I mean, apparently. if he wasn't, yeah. like,
0: if if you take away the, the off-court stuff and the volatility, talent-wise, he's a top-ten well, guy. Well, it's really, it's on-court,
1: not off-court. Like, off-court, Boogie doesn't do anything wrong. It's really all
0: off-court. But I mean, <laughs> but but I mean off-court, like, locker
1: room right. attitude, things like that. Um, But, I mean, if they can figure it out, the two of them, how to play effectively with each other. Damn. Ho- I mean, holy crap. Or find, like... A shooter right. during the season. Like one guy. Find a guy who can shoot. I mean, there the are ball. not a lot of teams equipped to stop the Pelicans if those two can figure out really how no. to play well. I mean
0: But they look at the Lakers going, man, I admire their shooters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's no, nobody no, there. I know.
1: Um all right, so
0: that's that. And the Eastern Conference is stupid to talk about because Cleveland's better than everybody. Uh you if know they're not you know better, the decent team. Right. It's it's Cleveland, Boston, the Wizards are your top three teams that are good. Yeah. Uh, Raptors and and the Bucks will matter. be fun and then matter and then who somebody else is going to make the playoffs but who cares because they're not going to do anything that brings us to the Philadelphia seventy sixers who won twenty eight games last year and in this conference have a very good chance I think of getting into the playoffs like it could happen it, it could happen like Simmons Ben Simmons looked good in the preseason Joel Embiid played like two games. And then one of them scored twenty-two points in fifteen minutes. Shot eighteen free throws.
1: It's interesting in with fifteen M- minutes. It's interesting with MB because obviously as he goes, so goes the Sixers. But we've They se- were a good team last yes. year when he played. We've seen, though, how effective he can be in limited minutes. Like I was wondering yesterday, like when I was thinking about this show today, maybe the strategy with him should just be play him 18 to 20 minutes tops. With the strategy of getting like sixty-ish games out of him, and if you get sixty-ish games out of that type of production, that might be enough to get you in the playoffs. If,
0: if um, you know, I mean, assuming everyone around, else, no, stays but you out, look around the rest of the roster, and Simmons looks like a player. Sarge was great over yes, the second was. half of the yes, season last year. Uh, Embiid is is dominant. Coving, Robert Covington is a, a, a solid one of those. Players. You know, under you know, plays in Philly. He wasn't a high pick. He's right. but he's a really good player. Yeah. Um, J. J. I think JJ Redick. Redick is going to be massive for yes, them. He will. Spacing the floor is going to, you know, do one thing for them: shoot threes, and that's and it. And he's a and smart he's not a bad boy. defender.
1: He's not a bad defender, and he also too he's hard to cut. You know, he tires guys that have to defend him around. He's going to he's going to find open looks in a way that makes it easier for Fultz or Simmons yep. to find him. You know, I I think he's also a guy that will be good. For a young team to have around. I agree. You know, a guy like Amir Johnson, they brought in in a lot of ways. Just be a good guy in a locker room.
0: But there's no reason. If Embiid plays 65 games, there's no reason that this team can't win. I mean, they, they could win 28 again. I'm not saying, but like in, in that conference, they can win 41 games. Yeah, 28
1: might get you 60. Right.
0: <laughs> but in that conference, they can win 41 games. No, I agree. 41 games I mean, got, I,
1: got in the playoffs last and year. Yeah, I, I really wonder if playing Embiid 20 minutes a night. Might be enough. 25 I mean, it I don't happen. think
0: he's going to play more than twenty-five. No, twenty-five or thirty. I mean, just because he can be so good in I that could, stretch, I wouldn't push thirty. No, I mean I, I, they wouldn't. probably won't. But I just I'm wondering just, if it's necessary. Has there ever been a guy that more people hope like stay healthy? I mean, I I say this a lot about Clayton Kershaw in L.A. Dodgers fans want Kershaw so badly. To be good in the postseason, because you know there's nothing not to like about Kershaw. He's done. He's he's a total team guy. He's a franchise pitcher who is you know works out incessantly. He builds homes in you know Africa. He does all this stuff. He's a great guy, and you want him to get past this thing so he can like kind of claim his space in baseball history. I think Embiid on sort of a national level. Is becoming that guy that even if you don't like the Sixers, you just want him to stay healthy because he is so obviously amazing at basketball and really fun yeah He's like, he gets it, he understands the social media age, he takes basketball seriously, but not himself too seriously I, I would be I will cry if he doesn't. If, like, something happens to him where he's out for another season or something. Like that. I mean, it, it would
1: be, like, for, for me, probably the most heartbreaking thing to watch, other than, you know, Odin's the obvious comp, but I would say Brandon Roy. Like, what happened with yeah. Brandon Roy was heartbreaking to watch.
0: Where you just, and you just, and you just knew it wasn't going to be the same. Because not he's he he so talented, but
1: B, another just good guy. Yep. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody say anything bad about Brandon Roy. I know the interactions I had with him seemed like a really solid dude. Yeah.
0: They love them. It up would there.
1: just be awful. Um, all
0: right. So you have men. Um, yeah, I yeah. think they get in. What the hell? Put I think in. they get in. Yeah, yeah I mean, let's they have forty-one, it. forty-two wins. Let's, let's do, do it. Can let's do put it. them in.
1: Um, but I mean, it's which the by the way, only if, interesting thing about the bottom of that conference, if they get in, I mean, maybe even if they don't, but especially if they do, that makes them a very interesting player next offseason. Well, this is, agency. but this is why I wanted to talk about them as in
0: in conjunction because they are the sort of the Eastern Conference version of the Lakers, and they, mm-hmm. Philly doesn't have the. Cachet of L.A. as a free agent destination, I think we can all agree about that. But if they look like they're going to be a lot better, and you already have Embiid there, and you already have Fultz, and you and if and you have the pieces to move Mm -hmm. all these things to go get another star, if that's what you want,
1: and a bad city to live in, it's not awful, and it's not a small town. No, I mean it's 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 grumpy fans, (laughs) grumpy. They're angry
0: there, but you know they have the Liberty Bell. No, it's nice, good bell, good bell,
1: sandwiches you got some strong sandwiches, sandwiches, man.
0: If they're good and the Lakers struggle a little bit, that can change the math, I think, to some degree. Maybe not
1: on LeBron. LeBron's not going to Philly. If people have gone to Cleveland to play because they were good, people will go to Philadelphia to play if they're good. If they're good and, you know, they they, can get that other— I'll go play next
0: to Joel Embiid and Ben yes. Simmons and they yes. can trade Fultz and they've got all these other Absolutely draft picks and they've got all this other stuff to come along. I mean they are I think a legit I and mean, they're and they're also I think unless the numbers have changed and I don't I didn't realize it one of the only other teams that has the ability to create significant cap room next year. Yeah. And so they are the eastern version of of what the Lakers are trying to do.
1: very interesting to see how that plays um, out.
0: Um real quick before we get out of here, um last week was the 20th anniversary of boogie nights. Of boogie nights. It was,
1: uh, I believe, a week ago. Yesterday, A week ago. Yesterday. Last week was a busy week. So yes. Um, Either a week ago yesterday or a week ago tomorrow. One or the other. But it was a like basically that. a week ago. And it's a movie you and I both just love. It's a great movie. Yeah, and it's, one of, it's for me, it's a probably weird ten to top fifteen.
0: Where do you think that was my first question? Because like you, you're better at remembering all this stuff offhand than I am. But like, where do you think Boogie Nights lands like twenty years later? In, sort of like on the important film scale, like the, the
1: you know, well, whether it,
0: pop culturally
1: or like among film geeks, in terms of how movies are made and well, it's and stuff. it's still I think it's still pretty massive. I mean, a it's it's a movie that I think it's enjoyed longevity. I think you know it's held up well in, in the eyes of people who who liked it. It also too, I mean, it announced it does hold up very well. It holds up really well. It announced Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, he made this movie. I'm guessing when he was about 25 years old. That is a staggering achievement for a filmmaker with – he had one movie, Hard Eight, under his Boogie belt. Boogie
0: Nights was 97. It was 97. He was born in 1970. Yeah, so, he so would, he's making it he's in 95, 20, 96. Yeah, yeah, he's about 26. With one movie.
1: Him. Right. And, I mean, the forget – One like, really good movie. Hard Eight's a really good it movie. It is a really good movie. But, I mean, like, forget just like – forget how the quality of Boogie Nights, you know, like the, the way it's shot. You know, I mean, it's a it's a really ballsy movie. Those, those sequences, there's a lot of that. Like we make a huge deal out of
0: the the scene in Goodfellas where they walk in the back of the club. Yeah, all the, the Copa, Copacabana. Right, and and there's a
1: lot of that. Oh, there's two or three in Boogie Nights where, and it, what's what's the opening scene yeah. uh, at their version of the club, which is basically their mm-hmm. version of Copacabana. There's the pool party scene, which yep. is a lot of it's unbroken. I and what's amazing about that is, and what's amazing about
0: Boogie Nights is, like you start to go through it and like. Everybody's in that movie, yeah. Like everybody, like I was. I, I wanted to try to pull up the clip of uh, you know, of Wahlberg at the very beginning when he's telling his the girlfriend that he's dating. You know, that he's going to be a bright, big, bright shining star, which obviously becomes a theme throughout the whole thing. But like that girl, is the the one of the girls from the from the L world from the L word, and is a, I mean, every you, everybody is in it, and you know, and with real good defined the roles. The
1: humanity that Paul Thomas Anderson brings to these characters in this very skeezy world that's very easy to take shots at, and, you know, and obviously... And they take a few. They they do. I mean, he, poke, he pokes fun at the world, and, you know, at times, these guys are not particularly bright, and, you know, there's a very big fish and a very, you know, small, very particular pond factor that Anderson makes fun of, but he's never condescending towards these characters. No,
0: and I think, like... There are certain things he clearly has
1: affection. He actually created the Dirk Diggler character when he was a teenager, and like he made a short out of it. Yeah, and I went back and
0: I watched some of it last night just because I I knew we would be talking about it. And like one of the scenes that strikes me as so timely is the one where, um, geez, who's the actor who comes in to talk to the colonel? And uh, it's uh, Philip Baker Hall. Philip Baker. You're right. He comes in and is trying to explain to Burt Reynolds. That film is dying, yes. and video is yes. the future, which any red-blooded American male knows. <laughs> turned out to be true. Yes, but it's that that thing of you know, and they do poke fun at Burt Reynolds, feeling like he's an auteur and he's making films, and he's so proud of himself. You know, he said, "We made we made a movie, like we made a real film here uh, with the you know the Brock Landers features."
1: <laughs> um,
0: but like that sentiment it's great. It's of look, we the work. The we work in that world. Yes. Of you know, we were there, like kind of raising our hands, you know, at the L. A. Times, going, guys, this internet thing is, it's not temporary. Yeah. And you know, worked with the 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 cliched people want the feeling of the paper in their hands and the ink, and you know? no, they don't. No. And and you guys better understand that. You quickly. and I tried to save media. We did. <laughs> we did our best, we did. We and we got failed. ignored. We failed. <laughs> But like scenes like that that, you know, yes, you're making fun of porn films and it just seems so weird. The idea of going to a porn theater
1: yes. seems so weird. It's now. very strange that that ever became a thing. Like, that's one <laughs> of the things.
0: We talk about a lot about the death of, like, communal experiences. Yes. And, like, everybody's just wrapped up in their phones. And they're going, this is one place where <laughs> yes. it's probably better <laughs> yes. for everyone. We can all just do this in the privacy of our own home <laughs> that, and we don't have to go to a theater. That really, that really was never meant to be a group this, setting. This thing. is an improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all should look up from our phones. Every once in a while, and, and
1: look people in the eye. Not while we're doing that. <laughs> the, the, uh, <laughs> the scene to me that's always struck uh, stuck out with me the most in Boogie Nights is the the coke sale scene with Alfred Molina, oh,
0: with the kid throwing
1: firecrackers. Right. In well, back. to me, what's amazing about I mean, it's you know, it's an awesome scene. I, mean, for, I think for a lot of people, it's the scene they remember right. the most. But to me, what's always struck me is so amazing about it. You know, beyond like. The Night Ranger and the Jesse's Girl and you know like Co- Cosmo, he, he's right. Chinese. You know, That's throwing, just what they do, <laughs> throwing the firecrackers around.
0: Alpha Molina, just the silk robe and oh the, and the, the silk robe and the, you know the, the Russian underwear. roulette. Yeah. Like
1: what's amazing about it, and I, I I don't know if I've ever seen this before in a movie is the more tense that scene grows, like where you can see like oh my this is spinning somewhere bad. Like bad things are gonna come from this, the funnier it gets. Yeah. Like it actually becomes so absurdly tense and so absurdly dangerous that it becomes funnier. And that's hard to do. It is do. hard to do. You're right. Um I also was looking up a little bit about Boogie Nights, Bronze. But also
0: too but real quick on that Has anybody named Todd ever done anything productive in anything? <laughs> <laughs> like shouldn't they have known that scene was gonna go downhill Thomas because they, they invited a guy named Todd to the thing.
1: Yeah. Pods help nothing. No. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up real quick some uh, casting uh, choices I learned about uh, through IMDb or Wikipedia. Uh, the original choice, I think the original choice, or a guy who was offered it at least, for Dirk L- uh, Diggler was Leonardo DiCaprio. And he loved the script. He turned it down because he had a conflict with Titanic. You know what? And, I was and say, he actually recommended Mark Wahlberg. I was going
0: to say Wahlberg
1: has... DiCaprio is too
0: polished. And was too polished, I think, at that part, point of his career as an actor. Um, whereas Wahlberg, I think, still ha- – Wahlberg could play dumb, so to speak. I think dumb and endearing in a way that I don't know if DiCaprio would have pulled off. I think he would have been sitting there going, that's Leonardo DiCaprio. Too much. It's not Leo's fault.
1: But but- plus, also, there was this joy of seeing this out-of-left-field choice with Mark Wahlberg yeah. crush the role. And, you know, and, he, and actually turned into a really good actor. Mark Wahlberg's actually a really good actor. He is. Nobody would have seen that coming. At, but at the time, no, no, at, <laughs> no. I mean, he had done like fear and the to basketball say I'm it back up. and
0: like he—it's not that it was his first role. No, but it's not. He'd never done anything like that. He'd never been a lead. But and the, there was something—he was just so like the the, the, There's an the innocence. optimism and the innocence of him playing I mean, that the, character. You know, like
1: you said, kind of dumb, which worked with Wahlberg's. Persona I mean, he's at the doing time. the karate stuff, yeah. and he's
0: like this, that, and whatever, and. You know, but but he wanted so badly. I mean, all these people just want so badly to be noticed yeah. in some way, you know. And you know, William H. Macy wants to be noticed if nothing else, just wants to be noticed by his wife, <laughs> yes. who will stop bleeping people all the time. And yes. by the way, wonderful casting choice to have Nina Hartley play yes, that role.
1: Uh, real life porn, uh, star.
0: actual porn actress. I got you know, all these. You know, uh, I mean, there may not be a sadder character in the movie than Don Cheadle. Yeah.
1: Uh, I was going to say Little Bill's pretty uh, Little
0: Bill's pretty bad. But like
1: Don Cheadle Don at least is sad.
0: sort of younger. Yes.
1: And, and he's so trying to find his identity throughout you know, the entire movie. That
0: scene where he's selling the
1: stereo to the guy. <laughs> oh, it's so great. And he's
0: got, him all, he's got him roped all the way in. And then he puts in the country western. Oh, it's so and great. Like, and, he's, and he's like bopping. And he's like, "You move. You, you can do it. And, you know, let it out. Like, I know yeah. you want. And the guy's just like, I got to go. He's casually drinking the coffee while he's uh, right. swiveling his he, But it was such a good sales pitch right up into the point where he – he uses his hook. I'm
1: the cowboy guy. Right. And it fails. And then, real quick, uh, Jack Horner, Burt, uh, Burt Reynolds' roles. Here's some of the people that were offered it and turned it down. Jack Nicholson no i don't like it either no. i like jack but i don't like him for that role
0: no it's because it, he would have been too He would have you know what he would have done he would have done the departed
1: i don't think he would have, have done a version of departed. a
0: porn version of the departed i
1: don't know if he would have done that because i don't think the script would allow it to him and I, frankly i don't i don't think paul thomas anderson would have allowed it yeah it's um, a little but i sure. i just think it would have been too much persona harvey keitel who I just think has the wrong voice, it's a weird thing. He does, to say. but I think he could have done it. I think Kaitel would have been good. Um, uh, Burt
0: Reynolds and Kaitel are in that same like, where there's something about their the arcs of Burt Reynolds particularly, the arc of his career that really I makes it say, work for there's, that a, role. there's an
1: art imitating life factor. Right, which to I think Reynolds. people picked up on. And R- oh, and oh. certainly he did. Oh, you read the interviews and stuff like that. He He's did, even good. though he, I mean, famously hated the role, hated the movie, fired his agent after it, he hated Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, uh, Anderson offered him a role in Magnolia, and he turned it down. He's like, I worked with him once. That's great. He was apparently uh, a pain in the ass, Burt Reynolds, on the set. But, you know, hes it's easy to forget. Reynolds, when he wants to be, can be a really he's good, good actor. actor. And he's so good in this role. Here's one choice, though, that I do think would have been... Of all the – Bill Murray got offered it. um, That would have been interesting. Would have been interesting. I still think Reynolds would be better, but it would have been interesting. It it helps that Reynolds is better looking. Yes. Well, and also, too, I mean, he's an icon of that period. Right. He's an icon of the 70s. I mean, we both love – I just think like
0: porn director, filmmaker, whatever, like good looking, but like in a – Dated, slightly yes. dated. Yeah, it, it way. I mean, it, it
1: Murray, aesthetically is yeah, better. Yeah, Murray's always interesting, but I think Reynolds is better. Albert Brooks, I think, is interesting, but wrong casting. Yeah. Interesting. I, I'm trying to think of the – I can't picture the movie but like that. But here's the guy that got offered the role that I actually think maybe could have come as close to Reynolds. Sidney Pollack. That would have been fascinating. Sidney Pollock was fascinating. a really good actor. He was. That would have been fascinating. You know, he's, you know, he's mostly remembered as a director, but he was a really yes, he was. good actor. I mean, he, he doesn't have the quite the right look as Reynolds. No, he's not
0: skeezy enough. Right,
1: and, and the art imitating life factor isn't there, but just from a pure if, acting. It's, the t-
0: it's a testament to a movie where you know it's good when you have trouble inserting other yeah. people in the role. Yeah. Where you just say, no, that doesn't work because the experience is so different that you can't picture it with other people whereas bad movies, you can plug in anyone it doesn't but
1: happen. but at any rate, I mean it, Reynolds is so great. and the movie is just so God, I'm, fantastic. Just,
0: I'm just you go through it and it, there are so many people in this movie I know and the
1: quality of the actors are so good and it's mean, just there's so many memorable lines memorable scenes it's just it's like I have not loved Paul Thomas Anderson's last couple movies um you know i I couldn't get into inherit Vice, and I thought the master was interesting, but um oh, Scotty. Kind oh, of is up there for sad characters. Oh, yeah. Got it. Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman's character—that's <laughs> that's pretty sad. Um, yeah, I know, doubly now when <laughs> you think of, about yeah. what unfortunately happened with him. But Boogie Nights ultimately, though, like made it clear to me when I saw that movie. I will see every single movie Paul Thomas Anderson ever makes because you're just like you watch that. and You're like, I want to see what he, what he does. Yeah, I will always want to see what he does. And just so then, uh, very
0: few movies, and we uh, just to wrap it up can put can put characters in positions where. You, you you know they're not there because it's like if you know you have other alternatives you know but like you you don't you see very quickly how roller girl gets from point A to point B and that's like this is for better or for worse and really for worse this is a place where she can well the limo we learned I mean we ultimately right. you learned you can be a you can be somebody yes that she you know she couldn't be in high she sits down and takes that test and she's like I, I, I can't do this um Anyway, great movie.
1: It's a fantastic movie.
0: Uh, All right. Lakers start on Thursday. Yep. We'll talk about it next week. Bye.